Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Are we good? Come on, you guys are the blessed ones. You know why? Because you're here this morning. Come on. Hey, listen, let me just encourage you before we get into the word. Like when, when we come in for worship, um, let me invite you just to lean into God's presence. Let me just invite you, if you know the words, to sing them as an anthem, as a declaration over your situation, over your need, um, and even just to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And I'll tell you, like when we begin to do that, um, there's just something like we can do that on a Monday through Saturday. I want you doing that. But there's something about when you come together with God's people um, in God's presence, I believe his power is made manifest, amen. And so let me just encourage you each and every week, man, come in just expecting, like there's a scripture in Jeremiah. Everyone always quotes Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, right? Like we can quote that, we know that, we see that on coffee mugs. But then there's also uh, a line of scripture within that passage that says that that. God will let us find him, right? That if we will search for him with our whole heart, that he will be found by us and that he will let us find him. And so come expecting on Sunday mornings. Can you do that? Because I believe when we come expecting to receive from God's word, that word gets planted deep in our hearts, and we come expecting just to experience him in worship, that, that he shows up. And um, we don't do that just for Avenue Church, because it's not about us. We want to do that for you and your life, because we know what you're walking through Monday through Saturday, you don't need to be walking through it alone. Uh, you need to be walking through it with your church family and with your creator, Amen. Come on, let me introduce myself. In case you don't know me, my name is Stephen. Um, my wife and I, my family and I, along with an incredible team, we lead here at Avenue Church. And we're so honored to have you with us this morning. If this is your first time, can we give all of our guests a hand? Come on, we know that there are some incredible, incredible churches here in Murfreesboro. We've visited many of them, built relationships with many of them, and, and we're not coming to do anything any, any better, any different. We're just coming to make room in God's kingdom uh, for people to find community, for people to experience God's love, for people to find their identity in Christ and Christ alone, and then to help you discover, walk out, and live out your purpose. And we do that um, on a Sunday. We do that on a Monday through Saturday. And we just want to encourage you, if you're looking for a church home, we would love to connect with you. One of the ways you can do that is by texting the word Avenue Connect to what, folks? 97,000. You're getting it. I was, I was telling someone the other day, like, I think people are starting to get annoyed with it. 
Um, and you know what that means? You're getting it, right? And so if you want to connect with us digitally, the best way to do that is Avenue Connect to 97,000. You'll receive a link, and in that link is a digital connection card. It lets us know that you're here and lets us know how we can pray for you. So whether this is your first time or you're here every week, I just want to encourage you uh, from time to time, use that connection card to let us know how we can be praying with you and for you. And then also, as we have different events coming up, you use this link to register for every Thing that we have going on uh, this past Saturday. Yesterday, that was yesterday, right? Man, it seems like forever ago, but that was yesterday. This past yesterday, we had the opportunity of serving with Greenhouse Ministries, and it's just an awesome time to get to do that. And then at the end of this month, we're going to be partnering with Journey Home Ministry on a Saturday to provide lunch for their community. So we'll come in and bring some fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and green beans and just really get to spend some time you guys want to come, right, just for that, right? And so we, we get to spend time getting to know the community, um, hearing their stories, and it's really encouraging time. And so you can sign up with that through the Avenue Connect at 97,000. So we're in the middle of a series, and we may go one more week. Um, I kind of got something I'm working on for next week. We're in a series called How to Neighbor. And we've been looking at the great commandment where Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second commandment he gives that's as equal to it is to love your neighbor how? As yourself. And that if we would just learn, if, if the church could just get this right, man, it would just change things so much. If we could just understand the importance of being a good neighbor, better than Mr. Rogers, better than Allstate, but being the neighbor that Jesus has called us to live. And the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the foundation of that is love, that every motive, everything that we do has to come from a place of love and that love, you know, pays the price, love cares for people, love reflects the heart of the Father, love kills out all selfishness. And then last week, we looked at that we have these barriers in our life that prevent us from loving other people, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, right? That we have barriers of pride that cause us to look down on people who, who may be different than us or, you know, have different sins than us. Come on, right? We want to justify our sin because we know ourselves. We want to look down on somebody else because of their sin. And so we build these, these barriers of pride, and we have these, these barriers of hurt from people who have hurt us, have offended us. And, and we want to build up this wall and think, well, they don't have to be the neighbor that we love. And then we have barriers of ignorance that because someone looks different, acts different, talks different, has different upbringings that we don't necessarily have to love them. And, and, and we see Jesus, just to recap real quick, the lawyer asks Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't answer that question. Instead, he encourages to be a neighbor that is loving to everyone. Because when we ask who are the neighbors that we have to love, what we're also doing is asking is, well, who, is the people that are, who are the people that are exempt from my love? And Jesus is saying, look, you're to be the neighbor that shows mercy and grace and love to everyone. And so we looked at these barriers. And, and so this week, we're going to look at another barrier that I think actually can be um, one of the greatest barriers that we have to overcome to loving the other person, to loving the person that's in our path. Because Jesus tells the story of, of the good Samaritan, the great Samaritan, and, and while the story is being told, the Samaritans aren't considered great. They're not considered good. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls the Samaritan in the story what? A despised Samaritan, someone who is looked down upon. But you and I, we know them as the good Samaritan. And there's even a law, there's a clause that protects people 
um, when they help someone doing the right thing, it's called the good Samaritan law, right? Not the despised Samaritan law. But so we know the character in the story as the good Samaritan, but they knew them as despised Samaritans. And as Jesus is telling the story, and you'll see in Luke chapter 10, verse 31, as he begins the story and talks about a Jewish man traveling, and he, you know, he gets beat up and robbed and left for dead. In verse 31, it says, what's the first two words? By chance. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Say this with me. Say, by chance chance. You guys said it after me, not with me. Let's try. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It works. All right. By chance. Do you know what by chance is? Have, have, have you ever been somewhere and someone showed up in the nick of time by chance? Like a few months ago, we had this happen and I had to call uh, one of our church members over to our house to jump off my car because I had to get Ella to school. And so we jumped it off and we got on the road and we were already running late and like we're on 840 heading towards Broad Street and it starts like sputtering and like it's like the lights are blinking, the gauges are going crazy and and Ella's looking at me like, dad, is is the car going to die? I'm like, no, like, it's going to be fine. We can get to the school, and then once we get to the school, I'll take it to the shop. And so we're on Broad, and it's doing the same thing. And she's just looking terrified because how many of you know, like, as a teenager, when, like, like when your car dies on the side of the road, it's the end of the world because everybody sees you. And so we get to the red light. We get to the big red light at the intersection of Thompson and Broad. And on, like, like during the week, that is a busy intersection. And so literally, like, I'm trying, like, it's yellow, and I'm gassing it to try to get through before it turns red, because I don't know what's going to happen if I have to stop. And so, but it turns red, and I'm at the very front of the line, and my gauges are just going crazy, and all of a sudden, the car dies right there, the very front of the line, and I'm stuck, and I'm trying to turn it over, and it's not doing anything, and Ella's just, like, getting as far down. She's trying to recline the seats back, and they won't go back because the car's dead, and so I'm like, geez, like, what am I going to do? So I call Levi, and I'm like, hey, Levi, can you can you come get me? I'm going to call a tow truck, and so then traffic is starting to back up, right, and so so I get out, and I go to the back of the car, and I'm, like, directing people, like, go around. Just go around. <laughs> just go around. I just keep going around. And so, like, it's starting to back up, and, like, everybody's at that intersection during the week, right? If you've ever been through that intersection, it's just terrifying. And so then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I look up, and by chance, one of our team members pulls up behind us and, like, Pastor Stephen? What's going on? I'm like, Jesse, thank God you're here. <laughs> like, I got to get Ella to school. Can you get her to school? And here's the thing. Like, she never goes, like, she works at uh, the hospital, and she was dropping a car off to be worked on, and she just by chance happened to be there. Praise God. But then I still had to sit there like another 30 minutes waiting on the tow truck. And then two cops come and they have to direct traffic. And it's just like, oh, just make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from here, right? In that moment, in that moment, we love, like, I was thinking, God, for that chance that she showed up, right? We like being on that end of the by chance. But can we just be real for a minute? 
Like sometimes we don't like being on the other end of the by chance where we are the chance. And so here's what is happening in this story. And I thank God that, that Jesse was the by chance and like, you know what, I see, and, and let's be real. Like I know that it's because she knew me that she stopped. But if it's somebody she didn't know, she may or may not have stopped. But I know if it was someone I didn't know, I would have a long conversation with Jesus about this chance that he's put in front of me right now, right? But Jesus is telling this story, and he says, by chance, a priest walks by, and he doesn't take the chance. He gives up the chance and walks across to the other side of the road because what this by chance is, is it's an interruption, it's an interruption, and we don't like interruptions, do we, to our days, to our schedule. And so this is why I think time is really one of the greatest barriers that you and I have to work with to overcome loving our neighbor because we all know that time is our most limited resource. Like the time that we have is all the time that we get. We can't, like, you know, Adam Sandler with his click remote, we can't pause time we can't speed up. We can't rewind time. The time that we have is all the time that we've been given. And, and scripture tells us this. And we see in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, this is appointed for what? Once. Once for man to die. So our day has already been set. Like, we don't know when that is. For some, like my grandmother lived to be 96 years old by herself. But at the same time, as a youth pastor, I buried a 16-year-old. And so we know that someone's time, we've been allotted a certain amount of time on this earth. And so we need to make the most of it. But we also know that our time is, like we can make more money, we can gain more influence, but we can't make more time. And, and we can do this little exercise in you know, Psalms 39 verse five, David says this, he says, Lord, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Each of us is just a breath. And so when we look at our hands, let's all look at our hands. Like, like when we look at our hands, like in the great scheme of all eternity, this is how long our life is. Now I have really small hands and that scares me, right? It's like, like I wanna be Shaquille O'Neal. Come on, like giant hands. <laughs> no. It's not saying that if you've got a big hand, you're going to lift. But when you look in comparison to all of life, this is about how long our life is going to last. And other scripture says that our life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It says our life is like, you know, the morning flowers, that they're here today and they wither tomorrow. And so we, we, we live with this understanding that you and I, we have a allotted a, a amount of time. And so we do our very best to take care of our time, right? We, we, we've created systems and schedules and routines and life hacks to make the most of our time. As a matter of fact, we've even created an Instapot because a crock pot took too long, right? And so, you know, I can't put meat in a pot to let it cook for six hours while I do everything else. It has to cook for an hour and a half because a crock pot is too long. So we have an Instapot. We have a microwave. We have all these different things to help us capture and schedule and make the most of our time. But let's be real. What do we do with that extra time? Thank you, front row. <laughs> we waste it. 
we waste it. And so when an interruption comes, we think that it is a waste of our time, but we're not being diligent and good stewards of the time that we've already been given. And even the, the, the extra time that we're trying to create. And so in the process, what we've done in our intentions and inventions to organize and all these life hacks, we've created um, and we live in a culture of hurry. Would you guys agree? And I'm not saying everyone all the time, but there are seasons. And for some of us, that is a lifestyle that we live in a culture of hurry. And that's like, especially in America, like when you go to other countries, not so much. Like when I went to Honduras the first time, they, they let us know like, like everything is, is ish. So if something starts at 12, it starts at 12-ish. And so for the like first two or three days, we were always there right at 12. But then like by the seventh or eighth day, and we had like a, a kids club vacation Bible school that started at three-ish, right? We had been like laying concrete floors all day long. And then we do the kids club that starts at three-ish. And so by the end of the week, it was like four-ish, and we weren't showing up yet. And the kids were coming to the ranch. We were standing like, gringos, vamanos. <laughs> they like, come on. So we were taking full advantage of the ish because we realized, look, and it was, it was so freeing not to live in a hurry culture. And when we went to Kenya and Africa, like you're walking everywhere. So you're not getting in a hurry. To, but we live in such a hurry culture. Would you agree? And so when we ask ourselves, like, you know that you are a hurried person if you work, and these were just some questions that I found in study. If you find yourself working 30 minutes or more a day outside of your work time, if you find yourself checking emails or work messages while you're off, do you make time for prayer? Do you make time to pray with your kids and your family? Do you have a hobby do you speed? Yes. <laughs> Do you eat as a family at home? And this one was a gut punch for me because I've been asked this. Has anyone ever said to you, I really don't want to bother you because I know how busy you are? Like, I can't tell you how many times when I haven't talked to my mom or maybe another person and it's like, you know, I wanted to call, but I didn't know your schedule and I know you guys are really busy and it's just a gut punch. And it's just like, God, yeah, I, I, I have been busy. I haven't paused. And when an interruption comes our way, we get very, very frustrated. And so we, we see this story continuing in, in, in John chapter 10. And it's right after the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And, and Jesus and his disciples, uh, they're on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. This is verse 38, just right after the story. Sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner and she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And verse 41 will be on the screen. It says, but the Lord said to her, Martha, 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 no. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And I've preached this, and you've heard it preached, and we've talked about it, and we read it as like spending time at the feet of Jesus is the one thing that we should be most concerned about. But if you look at this in the full context of the chapter, Jesus just finished saying that the greatest thing is to love the Lord your God with everything, 
everything that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. And to be able to do that, what he's saying is you have to slow down. In, in, in order to, to spend time with me, in order to love me, you have to slow down and spend time with, with me. And, and Martha, you're worrying about all the details. And look, details are important. Even like God is into the details. You read Genesis, everything is set up detailed. When you read like, like the instructions that he gave uh, Moses to build the tabernacle and he gave Noah to build the ark, like imagine getting that. We've all put together Ikea furniture, right? And box furniture. Those instructions are ridiculous and you're just building a dresser. Imagine you're building a, like an ark that, that is massive, like football field lengths long. That's some detail, wouldn't you think? God is into the details, but he's saying just don't worry about the details. Worry about pausing. Worry about spending time. And he says, look, you, you're worrying about all these details, but Mary has found the one thing. The one thing is loving God, loving people. And so I, I kind of thought this, and this is love. And actually, this was, this was John Ortberg quote. He says, love and hurry are not compatible. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Love and hurry are not compatible because love takes time and love or time is the one thing hurried people don't have. And see, I think the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan, that's what he was thinking in his mind is, is, you know, he was either on his way to the temple or on his way from the temple. We don't have all the details or not, but he was on his way probably to do ministry, right? And so he saw this by chance, not as an opportunity, but he saw it as an interruption. And we don't like interruptions. As a matter of fact, when you, when you think about it, hurry actually hates interruptions. Hurry hates interruptions. And it's kind of funny when, when you read, like, we like to name everything, like we like to define everything. And in the 70s, psychology, in the 70s, they started noticing that our culture was becoming way more hurried. And, and they actually have have called people who hurry all the time, not just busy, but there is a psychological um, diagnosis called hurry disease. Like, Google it, not now, but later. Like, it's an actual, like, like, real thing that you can be diagnosed through psychology as someone who has hurry disease, hurried sickness, and it's a malaise or a feeling in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform tasks faster. And this is the part that got me, and they get frustrated flustered, right? That's a new word. We just, we just combined frustrated and flustered to flustrated, all right? Use that tomorrow if people think you're a genius, right? Or the opposite of. People get flustered and frustrated when encountering any kind of delay. And I wonder how many of us, and like I'm saying us because I'm putting me in the same boat, I could be like the priest and, and I get frustrated, I get flustered because I've got tasks that I have to complete and a person comes in and they're an interruption. And so like in Jackson, I was in Kroger and we've, we've all been here and you, you've got to go in for one thing. It's an in and out, like one thing, I'm parking by the door, 
I'm running in, I'm going straight to the place that I need, getting that item, and I'm checking, like self-checkout as quick as I can because I've got somewhere to be. And how many times we go in and we've got that agenda and we see someone and we know that someone likes to talk a lot and we try to avoid that someone? Not you guys, I'm talking about me because I know you've never done that, right? You see that person and so like there was this one time where I was like, had to get in and out and I knew like if I stopped to talk to this person, I was gonna be there an extra five minutes. Oh my gosh, I don't have five minutes to spare. And so I was trying to dodge her. Don't judge. I was like, like, I would go through the cold section. She would go one, like I'd see her turn down one aisle. I would turn around and go down the other aisle because I had to get out. I promise you, I'm a really good person. <laughs> but then I wound up bumping into her. Have you had that happen? And she begins to share her husband had just lost her job and some other things that was going on. And so and, like, I took the time and like, that was not an interruption. That was a divine appointment that I was trying to avoid. And, and, and here's what love does. So hurry sees interruptions, like hurry hates interruptions. Um, love, love turns interruptions into opportunities. Love turns interruptions into opportunities. And we know this, and I'm not saying anything any different. Like we know this. Like you, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read Jesus's ministry. It was nothing but interruptions. There was not a single, like, scheduled miracle that happened. Now, we know, like, Jesus was God, and so he knew where he needed to be at the right time. But from, from the disciples' perspective, everything that happened was an interruption. Jesus' ministry was a ministry of interruptions. From the part where Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat in the middle of a storm... The disciples come down, wake him up. Have you been woken up from a good nap? Like, what are you doing? Like, I was resting so well. They come up like, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? And he just gets up, probably rubs his eyes, yawns, steps to the stern of the boat and says, peace be still. And the storm's quiet. That was an interruption. And then we see that, that when Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus, they are on their way somewhere. And blind Bartimaeus is, is screaming, you know, Jesus, Lord, Savior, and everyone's trying to quiet him. And you know what he does? He yells even louder, and Jesus stops where he was going, and he, he heals him. It's an interruption, and there's a story in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus, again, is traveling, and this guy named Jairus, who's a leader, comes to Jesus and says, Look, my daughter's really, really sick. Can you come heal her? And so Jesus leaves what he was doing, leaves his agenda, his course, and begins to follow and go with Jairus to his house. And guess what? Then the woman that we know as the woman with the issue of blood who has been sick for years interrupts. So it's not just an interruption to his day, but he also receives an interruption to an interruption. Like, that would be insane. Like, you're talking to someone, then someone else comes up, and you're like, all right, dude. I, and I don't do well with that. Like, all right, who do I talk to? Who, like, all right, you got here first, I'll talk. But Jesus interrupts his interruption and heals the woman. And then I love this, and it's, it's the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, in Matthew chapter 14. And, and it says that Jesus heard about his cousin who was beheaded, and he went to get in a boat. So he's just lost a family member, and he goes to get in a boat so that he can go be alone to mourn, to be by himself. And it says that when he crosses the lake and gets to the other side, and it says that Jesus saw the crowd because 
they had heard where he was going and crowds came from all of the villages around and they came to see him. And it says, Jesus, man, look at this. Jesus saw the crowd as he stepped from the boat. So he hadn't even got out of the boat yet. And the interruption is right there. He's just lost a family member going to mourn and he gets to the, to the shore. And before he steps out of the boat, he looks at the crowd. And he has compassion for them. And it says that he healed all of their sick and that he taught them. And so Jesus's ministry was an interruption. This is cool. Watch this. Thanks. Jesus's ministry was an interruption. When he was interrupted, guess what he did? He interrupted. When Jesus' nap was interrupted, guess what he did? He interrupted the storm. When Jesus' journey was interrupted with Jairus, guess what he did? He interrupted death. When Jesus was interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood, guess what he did? He interrupted sickness. So what if, like our interruptions are meant to interrupt someone's life for good? And we don't think about that because like, like we're in a hurry to get things done. You know, there's that, that old, last week was rap. This week you're getting country, Alabama. I'm in a hurry to get things done and I rush and rush until life's no fun, right? <laughs> and so like, like that's how we live. But Jesus walked at a pace to where an interruption was not an interruption to his schedule, but he used the interruption as an opportunity to interrupt someone's life for good. And so for you and I, when, in, in, in order for us to love our neighbors well, one we talked about last week, we have to break down these barriers to get to know people, and that takes time. But then we also have to understand that some of the things that, that come in our way during the day are not in our way, but they're divine appointments that we didn't know we were supposed to have. And so I thought about this. There was, there was a C.S. Lewis quote, Jonathan. C.S. Lewis quote that, that he says, sometimes we, we, we see these things that are brought into our life as interruptions into our life, but what if they are the things God is bringing to us that is our life? Or you can say it this way, is that, that inter, inter, interruptions, interruptions are God's way of calling us out of what we are doing and into what he is doing. Interruptions are God's way of bringing, bringing us out of our selfish world if we will catch it and out of our thought patterns and, and off our schedules and bringing us into what he is doing to be a part of what he is doing. But we have to be selfless enough to be able to, to not, and look, I, I'm preaching this and I'm, I'm trying to live this and I learned to give myself way more grace when I see all the like mess ups Peter had and didn't get it right, but he knew and he kept trying. And that's, that's all that you and I can do, guys. We're not gonna get it right all the time. But if we can like just do our best to get it right as much as we can, when those interruptions come into our life and realize that it's an opportunity for us to divinely interrupt someone else's life that God's put in our path. And so interruptions can be God's way of calling us out of what we are doing into what God is doing. And Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 through 17. And Paul is, is writing to the church at this point and, and it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools 
but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what he's asking us to do. Like when, when we're on our way and a by chance comes our way, we make the most of that opportunity. When, when we're on our way and that by chance is there, I'll say it one more time, is there, we make the most of that opportunity. And sometimes it's gonna be with people that we know and people that we like. And then sometimes it's gonna be with people that we know and we don't like. <laughs> right? And then other times it's going to be with people that we don't know and we're not sure if we like them. But we have a responsibility, church, you and I, to live this out. And, and I, I really think like so many times we just want to sit and we just want to be fed and, and we don't want to do anything different when we get out there. But you and I, guys, as the church, we have a responsibility to love and to love well. Because like we said in the first week, like, like we are the love bringers this side of heaven. We've been given that, that responsibility and that, and that message of reconciliation. And, and sometimes you can't schedule that in. Like we know every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we're going to have church here at 116 North Walnut Street. And some of us can't make that schedule, right? But we also know that there's going to be opportunities that aren't scheduled that we need to take advantage of, amen? And I know that as we do that, lives are going to be changed. And so I want us as a church to do this. And so let's do this. Let's close our eyes and let's bow our head. And I want those of us that are following Jesus, those of us who want to live well, want to love well, I want us to take a challenge over the next couple of weeks that, that God would open our eyes to opportunities and that what we see as an interruption, our eyes would be opened to it being an opportunity. And I don't like, I don't care if they know you go to Avenue, like I don't care about that, but I would, I want them to see Christ in you. And so Father, I just ask right now in this moment, God, for us as your family, that as your sons, as your daughters, those of us in here who are trying our best to, to follow you, that we know sometimes following you is difficult and we have our plans and we have our schedules and we try to fit everything into a calendar. But sometimes the things you want to do in our life and through our life can't be scheduled. And so God, in this moment, I pray that you would soften our hearts. God, that you would open our eyes. God, that you would Make us more aware of what's going on around us, what's taking place in front of us. God, that you would give us opportunities this week to live out this commandment. That in moments of, of frustration and even moments of hurry and busyness, God, that you would open our eyes to what is taking place around us as an opportunity to step into someone's world, to be your hands, to be your feet. Help us to do that. And with hell, everyone's head still bowed. I want to talk to those that the Holy Spirit's wanting to interrupt your life this morning. That you've been living your way, 
hurriedly through life and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. Jesus has been speaking to you, but you've been so busy you haven't taken the time to listen or you can't hear. And in this moment, I want us to pause and I want you to hear the Holy Spirit and know that Jesus interrupted this world to interrupt your life. Paul tells the church in Corinth and he says, at just the right time, it's God speaking, just the right time, I heard you. Maybe you're here today and at some point you whispered a prayer because of something that was going on in your life and you needed God to show up and you whispered that and maybe he didn't answer in the way that you thought and so you think he didn't hear you. And scripture says that he did, he heard you. He said, on the day of salvation, I helped you. He said, indeed, the right time is now and the day of salvation is today. And so God wants to interrupt your day. He wants to interrupt your life with a relationship with him. And you don't have to get everything right. You don't have to get everything perfect. All you have to do is just say yes to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. And then allow him to begin the process of rearranging your life and ordering your steps and, and, and working on the things in your life. That he has heard you. As a matter of fact, he's saying today is the day of salvation. And if that's you today, and you need to take that opportunity and allow God to interrupt your life, I want to ask you just to do just a simple act of surrender by raising your hand. You don't have to raise it and wave it, but just simply lift it and then drop it back down. Come on. Awesome. All right, look up here at me, guys. It's incredible. Listen, every time... You know, this happens each and every single week when you lift your hand or you lift your heart in that moment and, and really like this doesn't save you. Like this is just simply letting us know in some sense and it's, it is a physical response for you to take that step and, and, and acknowledging that you don't have it all right, but it lets us know who we can be praying for and, and walking with. But it's the next part that we're about to do that actually starts the relationship and it's the prayer of salvation. It's not something that you repeat after me, but it's something that you share from your heart in your own words, in your own way that starts that relationship. And it's not everything that you're gonna say, but it is the start of a conversation and that relationship will grow from today. And so what you'll do is, as we pray is just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. I want to live for you as best as I can. I believe that you died for me. You were buried for me and rose again for me. And you believe in me and want the best for me. Whatever those words look like for you as we pray, let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning. And God, for those that lifted their hands and those that lifted their hearts, God, we, we thank you for interrupting our life. God, I thank you for interrupting my life those years ago and even still on a daily basis. God, that you hear my prayers and that at just the right time, you saved me. That, that even today in this room, God, in this church, in this house, in this family, that, that lives are being changed and lives are being saved into your kingdom. God, away from, from the life that the enemy has for them of destruction and hurt and sorrow and shame and sin. And God, being saved into your life. So Father, I just thank you that as these prayers are being whispered all across this room, God, that they will accept this new life. 
God, your word says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. Everything that is old is gone and everything is made new. So God, I pray that they would walk in the confidence tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and knowing that they're in relationship with you and that they are justified and that they are your son and your daughter. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, come on, come on, let's celebrate, let's celebrate that. Thank <laughs> you.